joining us today on this uh, podcast. So we were mindful that we do a lot of talks, which often I don't really understand, and, and Anna teaches me quite a lot of things, or we get guests who tell us things that you know we don't really understand. But we thought that we should probably do uh, a bit of an intro to immunotherapy because we absolutely were things that Anna and I are most passionate about is taking people on this journey. And we all know whatever the journey is in life or work, um, Anna and I have just had a heart to heart, um, is that, you know, you have to take that first step. So this is for anybody who is new to IO, who has no idea and maybe has listened to one of our podcasts and thought, yeah, I got no idea what they're talking about. They just keep using silly words. So we're going to just do a very simple overview, hopefully, an introduction to immunotherapy. So, Anna, first question is, we talk about immunotherapy. What What is that? What does it mean? And what are checkpoint inhibitors in relation to, are they the only immunotherapy available? So I think we just have to take a step back a little bit and think about uh, the way that we tackle different types of cancer. And for a long time, we used chemotherapy, which is what we call directly cytotoxic. So the chemotherapy is introduced into the body, finds the cancer cells and via various mechanisms essentially leads to the breakdown and destruction of those cells. So that was sort of our first way of tackling cancer. And then our second way of tackling it is understanding much more about it, understanding the different proteins that make the cancer grow um, and get worse and get bigger and, and metastasize, and being able to block those various pathways and those various proteins. And they're what a group of drugs that we call targeted agents. So things like TKIs, for example. So then we sort of did both did both these things. We have both these pathways, both these ways of treating cancer, but actually that they both have a ceiling of of sort of uh, success and so then we had to take a step back and go right well how else might we find a way of controlling or, or get, getting rid of cancer because we won't necessarily achieve that with chemotherapy and target agents alone and so we turned our minds and we had lots of scientists do lots of work are trying to understand what we call hallmarks of cancer things that make a cancer cell a cancer cell um, and, and therefore could we through various different mechanisms, make those druggable targets? Is there a way of working um, on those hallmarks to actually then lead to cancer control? And one of the things that we recognised within that was there's this thing in most people called immunosurveillance. So your immune system wanders around your body all the time looking for cells that have gone awry and have started um, to become abnormal or aberrant and they get rid of them. And we know that in cancer patients, what has happened in in certain cases and in quite a lot of cases is that immunosurveillance has, has failed to detect that cancer cell and then the cancer cell has developed multiple ways of evading the immune system evading immune destruction and so that led to the premise that actually that means that if we could learn how the cancer cells evade immune destruction and evade the immune system from getting rid of them if we could understand what they actually do to achieve that we could block that pathway and therefore reactivate a person's own immune system against their own cancer. And this was born the concept of immunotherapy. Now, it is not necessarily a new concept. It has been recognised for a lot of years that the immune system can, in fact, target target cancer cells and get rid of them. In fact, the, the concept came from a guy called William Coley back in 1890, who was a, a sarcoma surgeon who recognised that his uh, patients uh, who got post-operative infections actually had response in their um, in their cancer as well as as well as having an infection, and this 
the theory was if you could supercharge the immune system via some some route, you could actually get cancer control. And other mechanisms have been used to try and do that. We've used things like interferon to trigger a, a broad immune response in the hope that that would actually lead to cancer control as well. So we have throughout the last hundred years tried multiple times to try and get the immune system to do something. And it has worked in a small number of people. You know, there are centres who will say there are one or two patients that have responded to things like interferon. And so actually by supercharging, just kind of causing sort of immune overload, you do eventually in some small numbers of people get the immune system to actually trigger and target onto that cancer. But the number of people you needed to treat and the number of people you caused harm to from side effects was very high given the, the outcome and the success. So the way that checkpoint inhibitors have brought us one step further is that actually we're starting to understand that mechanism of immune immune evasion in a better way. And, and there are these checkpoint proteins which have multiple different functions. So they can make your T cells more sleepy, so your immune system's less able to be active. They can essentially reduce what we call a co-stimulatory signal. So when your T cells find your cancer and they still are able to recognise your cancer, the checkpoint proteins block the T cell from being able to be active towards that cancer. So it can still recognise it's there, but it's powerless to do anything about it. And via these two routes and these mechanisms of checkpoint proteins, the cancer can actually evade immune destruction by upregulating the amount of activity in these proteins that's going on. So if we can use checkpoint inhibitors to block those proteins, we can cause the immune cells to be more awake and more active because we reverse them out of an exhausted state into an active state. And also those co-stimulatory signals that tell a T cell that it can in fact attack a protein in a cell that it's detected as abnormal, it can then go ahead and actually and do something to it and try and eradicate it very much like it would do a bacteria or a virus. And so we're in a situation now where by blocking those checkpoint proteins, we can, in a bit more of a specific way, actually cause an immune immune response against that against that cancer. So it, it is a case of essentially re-equating, re-upregulating the immune system to target a cancer from the host's own immune system. And checkpoint inhibitors are really the first way that we've successfully done that. And I think the thing to be aware of is this is really the beginning of the immunotherapy era. And we are already working on lots of other types of immunotherapy, which will almost certainly work around and work with checkpoint inhibitors, where we may well have regimes where we have checkpoint inhibitors plus other immune therapy agents to maximise response. And I'm sure we'll go on to talk about things like combination therapies and stuff. But actually, that's the, the, the basic underpinning of it is essentially we are upregulating the immune system by overcoming the, the blockages that, that cancer cells inherently put on the system in the first place. Great. So I'm just going to take us back one level more because, again, we, we talk about T-cells and um, we talk about, you know, checkpoints and stimulants. And, and I, I guess just for those who are completely unfamiliar, so T-cells are a type of white cell and white cells are the ones that go around our body in essence fight things. So um, and apologies if that sounds too simplistic, but that's in essence what we're talking about is uh, T-cells are a group of the white cells that go around to fight things, including cancer cells. And then again, Anna mentioned a couple of other things around, uh, you know, she briefly mentioned proteins and then talked a little bit about DNA and, and chemotherapy. And so again, just for those who are completely new to, you know, 
you know new to this area so we know that the dna can has our the the, the messages you know for our body is in essence codes for everything we are and so what can happen is you can get abnormalities in that dna and that dna is what then makes the body know what proteins to make that's the code for the proteins and so abnormalities in dna leads to abnormalities in proteins and so if you've got abnormality in proteins that can sometimes drive the cancer and i think something just to bear in mind is the reason why those abnormalities can drive the cancer and then become quite responsive to immunotherapy is because the body puts some of those abnormal proteins epitopes, antigens, it depends what term we want to use, but it's fancy words for putting some of the, the protein fragments onto the surface. And it's those protein fragments that the immune system can recognise and therefore know that um, that there's some abnormalities or there's, there's some differences in that cell and therefore recognise it. Um, so, Anna, in terms of immunotherapy, again, one of the questions I get asked a lot is, you know, there's all these new therapies is immunotherapy tablets? Is it drips? Do we just give one? Do we give lots? How do we decide what to do for different cancers? Okay, so at the moment, all checkpoint inhibitors are monoclonal antibodies. So they're given intravenously, they can't be given orally. Um, and there will probably be other routes um, that companies are exploring at the moment in the fairly near future. But at the moment, they are all intravenous. Monoclonal antibodies essentially are an antibody that is replicated and all of the antibody in a particular drug looks the same. For that, those monoclonal antibodies to be a checkpoint inhibitor, they have to dysregulate the immune system, as we've previously discussed. So there are monoclonal antibodies that are drugs that are not checkpoint inhibitors. So I think that's the first thing to be aware of. So not all monoclonal antibodies are, are immunotherapies. The group of immunotherapies are the ones that activate the sort of the, the dysregulate the, the T cells. But the quick way of recognising them is if a patient's on oncological treatment and they have they're on a monoclonal antibody that ends in MAB and that drug name has an L in the middle of it, so nivolumab, pembrolizumab, atezolizumab. The L and the MAB at the end, as long as they're on oncology therapy, generally speaking, means they're on an immunotherapy. At the moment, there are three subtypes of checkpoint inhibitor. So there's something called anti-CTLA-4s, anti-PD-1s and anti-PDL-1s. And there are um, uh, currently eight drugs that sit across those three targets. Um, now, it is likely that we will see more of those drugs over time uh, and we will see probably more agents coming to the market. There are quite a lot of drug companies that are creating their own anti-PD-1, anti-PDL-1 drugs at the moment. As it stands, we can either use those drugs one on their own and they're given intravenously um, and it varies in terms of frequency. They can be given every two weeks, every three weeks, every four weeks or every six weeks. And we can use one on their own or we can use them either in combination with other drugs or combination with another checkpoint inhibitor. And the combination of checkpoint inhibitors normally combine anti-CTLA-4 drugs, such as ifilimumab, and an anti-PD-1 or anti-PDL-1 drug, such as nivolumab. And so you'll see combination immunotherapies are a combination of those two drugs working together. And the reason that we do that is whilst they, they all block checkpoint proteins, some checkpoint proteins have they have slightly different roles. So you can make the immune system more um, active and more dysregulated if you use a combination of the two drugs together than you will do if you call if you just use one on their own. And for some patients, 
having one drug on their own is sufficient. And for other patients, we can see that they have, um, there for whatever reason, their cancer has what we call primary resistance. So one checkpoint inhibitor on its own may not be enough to get a response. And then we have to think about whether actually do we just need to supercharge the immune system. So we use two com a combination of two immunotherapies together. Or actually, can we overcome that primary resistance by using combinations of the immunotherapy checkpoint inhibitor drug in combination with other drugs such as chemotherapy or um, anti-VEGF uh, targeted agents, because they help us overcome the reasons that a, a cancer might not respond. So when we're looking at why a cancer responds to checkpoint inhibitors, you know, what we need is, an is three ingredients. We need the tumour to look abnormal enough for the immune cell to recognise that antigen or epitope that Ricky was speaking about and recognise that that's abnormal. So it has to be something called immunogenic. We have to have an immunogenic tumour that the immune system recognises as, as, as abnormal and thus wanting to do something about it. We then need to have T cells in that tumour. So we know that something called the tumour microenvironment can sometimes be quite hostile and sometimes T cells cannot get into that tumour. So you tend to find that you get three different types of tumour. You get hot tumours where they've got lots of T cells. If you took a biopsy, you'd see tumour cells and then interwoven within those tumour cells, there would be um, lots of T cells that are there ready to strike while the iron's hot. You then get a group that are, that have got T cells sitting around the outside, but they're they're what we call immune excluded. So the T cells can see the tumor. They know that it's there and they know that it's abnormal. But for whatever reason, and normally that's because the tumor microenvironment is so hostile, the T cells can't get into that tumor. So actually they're, they're, they're there, but they can't get in. And then you have a third group, which are called immune deserts, where basically, literally, the tumour just is not visible to the immune system. So the T cells just aren't present at all. So knowing whether you've got T cells in your tumour is your second ingredient. The third one is how active your T cells are when they're there. And actually, the thing that the checkpoint inhibitor do is they increase the activity of the T cells when they're there. So you can see that if you haven't got an immunogenic tumour, it doesn't matter how active your T cells are because they won't recognise it. And if you haven't got T cells in the tumour, it doesn't matter how active your T cells are because they can't get in to do anything. So some patients have, and some patients' cancers actually either aren't immunogenic or haven't got T cells within them. So you can give them a checkpoint inhibitor and they'll never respond because they've got the, the T cells are all in the wrong place. Unfortunately, they can still get toxicity. So you get patients who have got no, no response from a cancer perspective, but still getting side effects. So the combinations that we're working on at the moment by combining chemotherapy or targeted agents help us overcome these things. So chemotherapy, because it's directly cytotoxic, it causes direct cancer cell breakdown and actually increases the immunogenicity. It, it releases those antigens, those abnormal proteins. And so the immune system is much more able to recognise that cancer than it was before it was treated with chemotherapy. So for some tumours, we give chemotherapy and immunotherapy together because you've then got an immune, immunogenic tumour and you've got activated lymphocytes and together that leads to a response. For other tumours, particularly things like kidney cancers, actually we need to change the, the, the amount of lymphocytes in the, in the tumour for, for us to get a response. 
And very excitingly, one of the targeted agents that we use in cancer therapy is something called an anti-VEGF, which works on the blood vessels of the tumour. And if you actually use anti-VEGFs, what you find is that there is an, an influx of lymphocytes from the bloodstream into the tumour. So a cancer that wouldn't necessarily have lymphocytes in it actually then has a higher number of lymphocytes in the right place to do the work. So if you add a TKI and a, a VEGF, anti-VEGF and a immunotherapy together, you've got T cells in the right place and then they're more active. And then there are some cancers, such as um, EGFR mutated lung cancer, that actually you have got a very low immunogenicity and low T cells in the right place, and they're not very active. So we use a combination of chemotherapy and anti-VEGF and uh, immunotherapy together. And that way you get a more immunogenic tumour with the T cells in the right place, and they're more active when they get there. And that leads to a response in that tumour group that if you gave them immunotherapy on their own, they wouldn't see a response. So the combinations of therapies that we're using are all targeted ways of modifying the immune response based on the reason why checkpoint inhibitors wouldn't work entirely on their own. Great. And so um, I promised that this wouldn't be more than 20 minutes. That's why I had in my mind and we're almost at 17 because, you know, Anna and I do like to talk. So we're going to just do two more final things. I'll take one. I'll give one to Anna. So two concepts you're going to hear us talk a lot about in our talks. One is autoimmunity. Number two is steroids. So if I just take the autoimmunity idea, you know, in essence, what we're saying is that there will that there may be some those abnormal proteins that the immune system recognises in the cancer cell. Some of those abnormal proteins may also be on our normal cells, and so we can sometimes get a, a state where the immune system recognises our normal cells and and has an immune response against it. Um, and so there's lots of mechanisms that underpin this. Some we understand, some we don't understand that well. But in essence, what we're saying is that because because we're simulating the immune system, sometimes the immune system gets a bit overexcited and can start irritating normal parts of the body. And, and, and as you'll hear us talk about, and the reason we make so many talks, is in essence, any part of the body can potentially become inflamed and have an autoimmune side effect. And so you can put the, you know, itis, which just means inflammation on the end of any organ, and we may see that side effect. So Anna, just in the final, I'm going to give you 90 seconds. Tell me what a steroid is on this particular steroid, because I think some people think about steroids and bodybuilders when we talk about steroids. So what do we mean by steroids and why do we use them in a very sort of simple way? Why do we use them to, to stop some of these side effects? Okay, So we're talking specifically about corticosteroids and Corticosteroids actually have lots of different effects, not just on the immune system, but they have effects on your bone, your bone health, your metabolism, your protein production. They are sort of the building blocks of, of making your sort of internal machinery work properly. However, one of the very strong processes within the corticosteroids is they can suppress the immune system and they can do that in multiple different ways. They can do something uh, called reducing antigen presentation. So when your body recognises an abnormal protein, it can it can reduce down that recognition. It can stop different cytokines. So you can have uh, where the immune system just doesn't able to, to, to expand itself if it recognises an abnormal protein. 
there are lots it can reduce down the the cellular pro production that you have um in terms of the immune system so corticosteroids are drugs that we use to suppress the immune system particularly when we've caused the immune system to be upregulated from our checkpoint inhibitors and it suppresses the immune system in multiple different ways and one of the reasons why you will hear us talk in different podcasts about trying to use drugs instead of steroids or moving away from steroids is because it's such a wide-reaching way of suppressing the immune system that actually it 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 probably a bit too broad and we think that by targeting things a bit more specifically either by um, targeting something called a cytokine or rocking a particular production of a particular cell type actually that specificity means that we have much more control over the overarching immunosuppression so steroids are very useful but they have lots of side effects because they control so many parts of the bodily functions and also are quite non-specific in the way they block the immune system so we use them an awful lot and but as time goes on i think we will use them in less extreme numbers and length of time but use them in combination with other drugs that immune, that suppress the immune system in a bit more specific manner okay great so we're going to do a part two to um this this intro um and in the next one we're going to cover some of the other topics that we often get asked about so um in terms of you know do giving steroids stop responses? What happens if someone gets one of those side effects? How should you talk to patients about these new treatments? So um, come back and join us for part two and we look forward to seeing you there. Thanks all.